everyone, it's Eden, and welcome to episode 5 of Undressing Fashion. In this episode, we're going to be talking to Professor Carolyn Mayer, the woman who started it all by creating the academic programs that unite psychology and fashion, which Megan and I have both recently completed. From 2012 to 2017, Carolyn served as Professor of Psychology for Fashion at the London College of Fashion at the University of the Arts London, where she created and led the world's first master's and bachelor's programs to apply psychology within the broad context of fashion. In 2017, after working in academia for almost 20 years, Carolyn left to establish her own consultancy, Psychology and Fashion. She is a consultant to the fashion industry, retail, NGOs, educators and the public, providing behavioural insights, training, masterclasses, workshops, mentoring and career coaching. Carolyn is a chartered fellow of the British Psychological Society and the proud holder of the British Psychological Society's Distinguished Contributions to Psychology Education Award. Her book, The Psychology of Fashion, is one of Rootledger's top 10 psychology books in 2018. Carolyn has published broadly in academic and popular media and is frequently interviewed for national and international TV and radio, including BBC World News, Sky News, ITV, London Live, and featured in international press, for example, in The New York Times, The Times, The Guardian, Telegraph, Independent, Daily Mail, Irish Times, and Sunday Independent, as well as fashion magazines, including Vogue, Elle, Harper's Bazaar, Grazia, Stella, Style, The Stylist, and Vanity Fair. And of course, she has published in both psychology and industry publications too. I mean, you can't get more impressive than this. So without any further ado, here are Megan and Professor Carolyn Mayer. Hi everyone, it's Megan and welcome to episode five of Undressing Fashion. And we're here with Carolyn Mayer, who is the creator of the first academic courses of psychology and fashion and... I'm actually one of the students who took her course. So thank you for coming today and just for being on the podcast. And if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for inviting me. So um, as you said, I'm the creator of the world's first and I believe only uh, degree courses in psychology of fashion. which I started at London College of Fashion, part of University of the Arts London. Um, And now I'm a consultant working with the fashion industry and with other um, individuals interested in understanding the influence that fashion has on them and how it makes them feel, um, how it makes them look and how it influences their interactions with other people. So my first question for you is how did you decide, because you have a background in cognitive psychology, how did you decide to focus on psychology within the fashion industry? I've always loved fashion um, and my first job actually when I left school was as a window dresser, um, which is now called a visual merchandiser, um, where I used to dress the mannequins in the windows I also did in-store displays, um, and I just loved um, playing about with the, with the fashion items. I also made clothes so for myself or other people, so fashion has always been part of my life. Um, and as I became more, um, I suppose, expert in psychology, 
I began to understand that the divisions within psychology, so cognitive, which I would describe myself as um, previously, social, developmental and so on, are really um, bin. so they are divided rather than united. And actually individuals don't operate in isolation, so we're not just cognitive beings, we're not just social beings. We have to interact with each other socially in order for our cognitions to work. And then if we think about biological psychology, that underpins everything. So I wanted to bring everything together, and I also wanted to bring it together in a context. And because fashion is so important in our own identity, in our self-esteem and in our interactions, fashion seemed to me the perfect um, marriage with psychology for me to do something that hadn't been done before. Yeah, I find that so true and it resonates with me too because I remember as a college student I would always be wondering like why are people wearing the things they do like what does this mean and I think as a psychology um, student or graduate and as a psychology professor it's just the way we think we always think we talked about this in our first episode like we're, we always ask why yeah and so like when people I'm sure you've had the backlash where we I've heard which is like psychology just is like you don't have to analyze not psychology fashion just is you don't have to analyze it but you do and there's a lot to talk about I actually read your book as I told you and it's the first book that's designated only to fashion and psychology and I thought it was interesting as you cover so many topics and I was just wondering what are the specific topics that you're interested in within psychology and fashion? Well, um, the fashion industry has a lot of issues that psychology can help um, solve, uh, can help find solutions towards eliminating. Um, so really my, my mission, my purpose for wanting to bring psychology to fashion is about making the fashion industry more ethical and more sustainable as much as really being interested in what fashion says about us when we wear it. Um, So it's multifaceted, really. Um, So many areas that interest me. One at the moment that I've been talking about for... Well, before I started at London College of Fashion in 2012 um, has been this issue of sustainability and fashion's environmental impact. And now that's really on the agenda for most global fashion brands, um, which is fantastic. So we are seeing changes there. Another one is representation um, across the fashion industry. So we are seeing a broader representation of imagery in the fashion industry. Um, other issues around working conditions for for um, uh, uh, manufacturing and machinists and so on around the world. Those are also in the spotlight now. You know, I like to take a little bit of credit for for some of those changes. I'm not sure that I can take all of it, but hopefully um, the publicity that the psychology of fashion has had has had some impact. Well, I think you deserve a lot, as I came to London just for this course, as many others did, and I I do think it is so um, prevalent now, like the BBC, I can't remember the name, that BBC documentary on fashion and Mm -hmm. how it's destroying oceans abroad, and growing up, I never thought about Mm -hmm. sustainability, really, and now it's, I think about it all the time, about the waste, and when I 
was shopping recently, I bought like a dress that was upcycled from scraps from a really luxurious designer. So I thought that it's so interesting that we don't, we can help with all the waste. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also psychology can help by forecasting trends better than sending out fashion scouts into the, into the high street and seeing what they, what they think or what, in their opinion, is going to be high fashion in three or four years' time. Because psychology can really do that by forecasting trends, looking at statistics, looking at data, you know, massive data sets. Psychologists can analyse the data. And then by doing that, they can have more accurate predictions of what's going to be a trend. And by, by doing that, following that, they can reduce um, production and obviously reduce waste yeah and as you're saying like the kind of like stressing the the importance and significance in the psychological lens within the fashion industry so do you feel that um fashion psychology should become more of an academic discipline because it's still really new um yeah absolutely i'd like to see psychology Um, in all fashion departments and I'd like to see psychology of fashion for fashion in fashion in all psychology departments because fashion is part of our lives and you know we all wear clothes and what we wear says something about us and I've said this more times than I care to, to even try to remember but it needs to be embedded in our understanding and I I think the reason that I'm so um, enthusiastic about psychology being part of the curriculum is that it should be informed by evidence and that it's not just something that is is spoken about by people who are using opinion their own opinion their own feelings their own sensations about how they feel about fashion but rather working on the basis of evidence how do they know that's one question I always ask people how do you know where where's the data where's the evidence I yeah exactly and the thing with psychology a lot of people who aren't in the discipline or understand it really they just think well that's common sense Mm -hmm. well yeah it's common sense but it's driven by evidence and so that's why I think all this research is so new because there's not a lot in the fashion industry yeah. that has anything to do with psychology or but if you or um, me or other people who are interested in it can do research on it and prove it then yeah it, it will be a really successful yeah discipline. absolutely and I think the research in fashion that, that's been done so fashion theorists um, fashion sociologists, even anthropologists working in fashion, have tended to look at um, uh, the the information um, ethno- through ethnography. Yeah. Um, so it's qualitative, which is which is a great starting place. And I'm not saying qualitative is worse than quantitative. So I'm not not going down that route. But we can't generalise from qualitative data. And so we need the quantitative data if we're talking about the meaning of fashion. The other issue um, around the the concept of fashion psychology is that 
lots of people who would call themselves fashion psychologists are stylists with little or no training in psychology. And I find this quite worrying um, because I believe some of the people who describe themselves as fashion psychologists can do a disservice by suggesting ideas which are totally unfounded by um, theory or by evidence. And, and some, particularly around the mental health issues, um, by suggesting uh, cure solutions or whatever, that wearing something can make you happy. Um, for me, that's quite problematic. Yes, yeah, so for all you listeners, do not easily listen to people who say they're fashion psychologists and can change who you are based on changing your clothing. It's not that simple, but there obviously is an effect. Mm-hmm. As, Absolutely. As we know, because we've done some, we have some evidence-based studies. Exactly. And that's not actually to say that what you wear doesn't make, can't make you feel good. Yeah. But it's not a cure exactly. for mental illness. And we have to be very careful yeah, that's, when we talk about that. Yeah, it could be definitely dangerous going yeah. down that slope. So where do you see the discipline going next? Obviously, long-term would be to be in every single university. I want to see it in the industry. Yes. So university is one thing. I want to see psychologists working in the fashion industry. So graduates from the courses that I've designed at London College of Fashion, um, graduates from the courses that I'm running independently, um, people who or psychologists who are actually already working within the fashion industry using their psychological knowledge to actually infiltrate the fashion industry and change it for the better to help people feel good whatever their role whatever their relationship with fashion so it's it's about for me it's now get it into the industry so how do you think fashion brands and, com- and companies actually my next question can incorporate psychology into like the way they run just a few examples. Yeah. I think they... So the fashion industry already engages with psychology, but not from an informed perspective. So we know they do fashion forecasting. Psychologists could absolutely give more reliable forecasts. Um, in terms of diversity, psychologists could look at the evidence and actually demonstrate the benefits of using a more diverse and more representative um, uh, population in in fashion imagery and on the catwalk. In terms of sustainability, psychologists could work with the fashion industry and help them understand how to change consumers' behaviour, as well as doing what I mentioned previously, which is reducing waste through really calculating how much to produce in the first place so it's endless yeah and I just remember some of the students in my cohort studied like racism and fashion and how like they're underrepresented or um older individuals in the fashion industry and how I don't remember what it is but for the baby boomers I there's a really high percentage of how much they take how how much of a part of that they are in the consumer market and the fact that they're not represented yeah. enough. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, older older women in particular are neglected on all areas. Um, so they get double whammy. They, they are subjected to ageism as well as sexism. Whereas older men 
still are represented in the in fashion, not as much as younger men, but um, certainly more so than older women. But that is changing. Yeah, I think that has to do with that old almost mentality of people saying that men age well and they exactly. look distinguished exactly. and women are going to lose their beauty. Exactly. And I don't think any of that is true. Silver fox. Exactly, silver fox. Yeah. But <laughs> I just, that's just a way that it's a social construct and exactly. how they tell us to look Well, at that's it. exactly what it is and we need to change. We need to embrace aging yeah. because the alternative is a lot worse. <laughs> we have to exactly. actually be proud of being older, of aging, and be 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 proud of the lines on our faces that actually say, I've earned these. You know, now we're seeing people with all sorts of scars showing, I've earned these scars, I'm proud of them. Fantastic, and I love seeing that in fashion shoots. Let's also embrace that in older people's faces instead of erasing them all with um, cosmetic interventions. Yeah, I was reading some article, I don't remember her name, but there was a 50-year-old model that was just hired by like a top agency. Right. And people were just mm-hmm. in shock, but like I'm not. If she represents so much of the consumer mm-hmm. market, it makes complete sense that she should, that she should get a job yeah. in modeling. Yeah. Why does it have to be only Victoria's Secret models? They mm-hmm. represent a certain population. Like there's, yeah. and that's why we have so many different types of models that represent different size of women, different color, different yeah. just ethnicities, yeah. different everything. Absolutely, and you know we're never going to represent every single type of person, and I think we would be foolish to think we would but a greater representation makes us feel that we're part of it and that we're not being ignored and that's not a nice feeling to be ignored we want to be embraced by the fashion industry because you know we love fashion I'm saying this as an older woman (laughs) by the way (laughs) and exactly and it's and it's true and when I do begin to begin to age and I already 30 apparently some people say that's already starting to age but at the same time i want to be represented so exactly well we actually start aging the day we're born yeah that's true (laughs) so uh yeah you know what are we supposed to do stop loving fashion no i've loved fashion since oh probably since i was a, a small child before being a teenager what about like Iris Apple, the, you know, the famous New York? Yeah, oh, she's um, amazing. Yeah, she's like 90-something years yeah, old, yeah. and she loves it, and she shows yeah. it off. She doesn't... Yeah. You just have to... It's it's women like you, and it's women... I mean, she's obviously a lot older than you are, but just people who don't care what yeah. the media is telling them. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, she dresses quite outrageously, which I would never, ever do. Um, but good for her. Yeah, you know. But I like to wear clothes that I feel comfortable in, that I think look all right, um, and that I, that I really like. And whether they're, they're on trend or fashionable, I care about my appearance. I do the best I can with it. Um, and I, I said, yeah, I love fashion. I want it to, to be a force for good, which it can be. Yeah, and we'll probably actually have an episode in the future on just like certain certain issues within the fashion industry so the lack of representation for older women because I did do one assignment on it and I remember the interviews and people and my 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 dad actually commented on one and he was like I want to see women that are older that I can be mm. attracted to yeah I'm not only looking to see people that are really young and I thought that was really interesting yes, so. exactly exactly so that 
somebody like your father could see somebody like your mother wearing something that he might think, oh, I'd love to buy that for her, or I could imagine her yeah. wearing that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming and speaking with us because I'm just, yeah, just like blown away by you start by how you started the course and how honestly my whole trajectory has like led me to my two passions with our fashion and psychology and that I can even though somehow that I can make it a reality and we're still figuring out how this is going to be a long-term reality but I just want to thank you again for coming on oh it's my absolute pleasure and I'm sure you'll do an amazing job Wow, that was a really interesting conversation. I'm so glad that you were able to speak with Carolyn Mayer. Like, I really enjoyed listening to that and hearing from someone who has actually had such an impact on both of our lives. Yeah, I feel really lucky that I was able to do the interview. And just from everything she said, I feel so... She's so admirable in the way that she actually fused together psychology and fashion and made it into a curriculum and made it and showed and is the first person to show the importance of studying um, this discipline, but also just in implementing it into the field, into the fashion field. So, yeah, it's really cool. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, she, she brought up quite a few really interesting um, issues in the fashion industry that hopefully we'll touch on in future episodes but I mean for example you guys spoke quite a bit about representation in fashion media of older women and men um and I mean her point about the way that even older women are represented in comparison to older men and how that's different and like I mean it's so true and it's so interesting and it's such a an important population in terms of even just like on the basis of it the amount of money that this group of consumers spend on fashion. You know, if you think about it, they're probably the wealthiest group out of everybody. It's ridiculous that they would be left out of it just for that reason alone, never mind how that makes people feel about themselves. Exactly. Baby baby boomers make, I think, are one of the largest populations in terms of cohorts. And the fact that they are underrepresented in in the media where they're probably one of the most important consumers is a complete disconnect. And so the fact that people are bringing awareness and we've seen it, we've seen it in Dove campaigns. We've seen it in other campaigns where people are including older individuals and, you know, people of different color and race and there have been initiatives, but it's still, it's still just the start. And even last weekend, my younger cousin said to me that women, she was saying, well, she's really, she's only in her early twenties, but she was saying how we have to take care of ourselves because women are only pretty when they're young and men age well, which that is, as I know. And I said, I said that, so it's such a George Clooney, Richard Gere thing that men are silver foxes, as Carolyn Mayer said. And it's so it's so untrue because I see so many women who age so gracefully and so beautifully with or without plastic surgery. And we focus on the fact that 
we don't age well and we're told this and so older women are are often looked at as just older and not pretty when like it's not true it's just the societal and social construct we have put on aging which is men age well and women don't and it's just it's simply untrue and we have to change that completely i mean even just like the products that are in fact aimed at older women um beauty products in particular in their advertising for let's say like anti-wrinkle creams or whatever they use young women a lot of the time and i mean how that's not going to make my mom want to buy a cream if they advertising using a model who's like 30 years old what's that going to show her about the product and it actually, you know, it can only make you feel terrible about yourself because, of course, you're not going to look that way when you're, you know, 30 years older than that, for example. That's very true. I mean, I have friends probably since, and I'm 30, and I, since I was 25, using Retin-A in order to decrease wrinkles. And a lot of people are now, but the truth is we're already told we need to start anti-aging now or it's too late. So yeah, if I was over the age of 40, I might think it's too late. And that's, it's simply untrue. But the truth is, I don't like, I find nothing wrong with plastic surgery or Botox or anything. But this whole notion to stop aging, what you want to look 25 when you're 45, like aging is beauty as well. Because Absolutely. a lot of people don't have the opportunity to get to a certain age. And we should be grateful for it every year. Absolutely. Yeah. And it just aging just reflects the life experiences that you've had and what you've gone through and what you've done and achieved. And I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of in that. Um, yeah, I think, it. you know, Carolyn raised some really amazing points. And I'm so glad that we were able to speak with her. And um, thank you all for listening so much to our episode and for keeping up with us so far. And we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on Instagram and on Facebook. You can find us under our name, Undressing Fashion. And um, please rate and review. And don't forget to subscribe as well. And yeah, so bye for now from Eden. And Megan. And thanks for getting undressed with us.